this morning, we find ourselves in two chapters of Revelation, both Revelation chapter 15 and in chapter 16. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, if you want to grab a pew Bible and go ahead and open it to chapter 15, that is where we will begin with our reading this morning. Hear these words from Revelation chapter 15 and 16. And then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels who have seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. Then I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who have overcome the beast in his image and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the slave of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed." And after these things I looked, and the sanctuary of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels who have the seven plagues came out of the sanctuary, clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with gold sashes. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Then I heard a loud voice from the sanctuary saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. And it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who have the mark of the beast and who worship his image. And the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like blood that, like, of a dead man, and every living thing in the, in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl in the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who is and who was, O holy one. Because you judge these things, for they poured out the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given it to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who was the authority over these plagues. And they did not repent so as to give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened. And they gnawed their tongues because of pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river and and the Euphrates. And its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. Then I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. 
For they are spirits of demons doing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Harmageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the sanctuary from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. And the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the wrath of his rage. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And huge hailstones, about one talent each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. Let us pray as we prepare our hearts to try to understand this word this morning. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for this gift of your word. We thank you for the word of revelation, God, which you promised would be a blessing to us when we heard it and read it. And we keep every word that is contained within it. And so even as we hear these words this morning, God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive what it is that you want to teach and reveal to us. And as we hear these things, we would not live in fear, but we would be encouraged because of the God that you are. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was a very long passage, and there's a lot happening in it. And just like when we went through the trumpets, I'm not going to spend a lot of time working through each and every bowl because there's a lot, and we could spend a lot of time trying to talk and unpack every single bowl. We could try to spend a lot of time trying to say, well, do we see this plague already happening on the earth? I mean, it's really interesting to read that when the sixth bowl was poured out, that the great river Euphrates was dried up. And if you read in the news right now, you're like, oh my goodness, the Euphrates is drying up. Do I need to be afraid? Should I be fearful of that? Well, let me just offer this to you. The Euphrates has dried up a lot in history. This is not the first time, nor will it probably be the last time. Because the last time that it happens, we'll see more evidence of more trials and tribulations, more that has to do with the wrath of God than what we see right now. But again, I've also proposed to you that maybe when we read about these great trials and tribulations and the wrath of God, that they're cyclical, that they're happening throughout all of history since the moment that Jesus gave his life up on the cross, and that we've been living in the end times since that moment. And so we actually will see that there will be times and times and half a time that these judgments do occur. Because who's to say that God stopped 
working in the earth. Now we just come up with reasons that things happen, like climate change. And I'm not saying that climate change isn't the reason and that God might not be working through that for the sake of drying up the river. But in 2014, the Euphrates was only flowing up to the border of Syria and Turkey. It wasn't going any further than that. But maybe that was a time of God trying to reveal something on the earth. I don't know. But what I do know is that as we read about these seven bowls of the wrath of God, we need to understand that this is the last of the recapitulations, right? Because we've had the first telling of the end story with the seven seals, and then we had a retelling with the seven trumpets, and now we have the final telling with the seven bowls. And each time, this judgment of God being poured out is intensified. It's greater than the previous time. When we saw the seven seals, it was about a third of the earth. When we saw the seven trumpets, it was a fourth of the earth. And now the seven bowls, it's the whole earth is experiencing this great pain of wrath that God is pouring out. But as we read it, we actually see this great connection in 15 and in 16 to the same story in Exodus. And so that's, where, that's really where I want to focus this morning is in chapter 15, not 16. Because I think 16 just reveals to us more about what was said in 15. And this is what was said in chapter 15. And then I saw another great sign in heaven, and this one was great and marvelous. Seven angels who have seven plagues, which are the last. This is it. This is the final thing that is to happen before we finally experience all the goodness of what it means to have the return of Jesus and to have God once again walk with us in the cool of the day on earth, just like in the Garden of Eden. And I saw something like a sea of glass. And we saw this before when we saw the description of the throne room of heaven in chapter 4. But this time it's mixed with fire. It's a little bit different. It's mixed with fire. And those who have overcome the beast in his image and the number of his name are standing on that sea of glass and they have harps of God, and they sing out a song to God. These are the ones that overcome the work of the enemy. Last week, we talked about that unholy trinity. We talked about the beast of the sea, which is the Antichrist, the beast of the uh, land, which is the false prophet. And then, of course, there was the great dragon as well, which is Satan himself. And we refer to those as the unholy trinity, the opposing trinity to the holy trinity, which is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what I didn't really talk about last week was that it really sets up almost an image, a false image, mind you, of exactly how the Lord worked in creating his own church to follow him, to believe in him, and to carry his name into all the world. 
And the false prophet does the same, setting up this false religion, calling people to worship the beast in his image and to follow and worship Satan. But then we see in this moment in verse 2 of chapter 15, the sea of glass in the throne room of heaven and this fire, it's, it's either a purifying fire or it's a fire of judgment that does not burn up the saints that worship the Lord. And no matter how you look at it, there is an encouragement to us that we are unaffected by the wrath of God. And so we sing out a new song, a new song which is also the song of Moses a song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. And here's where I really want to settle on this morning because... We read 16 and we're like, wow, look at this wrath being poured out, this anger of God. It's something to behold. It is a great and marvelous work. But for many of us, we might look at that and we're like, wow, what is this? What is going on? It's kind of scary. It's kind of crazy that God would be so wrathful that he's pouring it out upon the whole earth. But what I think we often miss in the church today, and maybe particularly here in America, as we see a society and a culture surrounding us and telling us that we're wrong all the time, or certain groups of people that call themselves Christians offering a different view of what is happening. In fact, even this morning, and I challenge us and um, to maybe rewrite the words in in Christ alone that we sang this morning, uh, and by rewrite, I mean actually fix back to the original, we sang the love of God is magnified uh, in, the, in that hymn, but that is not the original language of the hymn. In fact, it was changed without the Getty's permission. The words of the hymn are supposed to be the wrath of God was satisfied. The wrath of God was satisfied But the hymn company actually changed those words without the Getty's permission. And I propose that we all, next time, we take those hymnals out, we take a pencil, and we cross out the love of God was magnified and sing the wrath of God was satisfied. Because the reality is that is the great story, the great testimony, the great redemption that is offered in Jesus Christ for those that believe in his name. God's wrath is satisfied on our behalf. That's really the good news of the gospel. And so when we start reading in Revelation about all this wrath of God, it's not something that's directed toward us. And I know we've said that before. But it's not something that we have to be afraid of. Because if we sing that hymn as it was written, his wrath was satisfied toward us. It was satisfied. It was satisfied in the work of Christ on the cross when he took our sin upon himself. 
and offered himself as a blood sacrifice to the Father. And that because his blood was poured out just like the Paschal Lamb, and when the blood was painted on the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass by, so we too have the angel of death pass by us that we might live in eternal life. That's good news. And so when we talk about these chapters this morning, what I want to recognize is that redemption, the story of redemption, is also a work of justice. There cannot be redemption, real redemption, without also a work of justice from God. And so I want to turn to Exodus chapter 15, and I want us to read this song of Moses. And so hear these words from the Israelites as they sang to God as they were delivered from Egypt. And then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song of Yahweh and said, I will sing to Yahweh for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. And that's a reference to the Egyptians that were in pursuit of of the Israelites as they crossed through the Red Sea and the path was made for the Israelites. But once they reached the other side, the sea collapsed in on the Egyptians and all their horses and chariots were hurled into it. Yahweh is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will extol him. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies he casts into the sea, and the choicest of his officers are sunk in the Red Sea. The deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahweh, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Yahweh, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your exaltation, you pull down those who rise, you, rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it devours them as chaff. And the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood like a heap. The deep were congealed in the heat of the sea, in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue you, and I will overtake you, and I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be fulfilled against them. I will draw out my sword. My hand will dispossess them. But you blew with your wind. The sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Yahweh? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, fearsome in praises, and working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them up. And in your loving kindness, you have guided the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have led them to your holy habitation. And it goes on just singing the praises of God's work, this marvelous work of redemption. But notice that the work of redemption is coupled with the justice of God to come against the enemies of God's people. 
the people that had enslaved the Israelites for 400 years, and then God offers a way for them to be released, and he asked Pharaoh several times to let my people go through Moses and through Aaron. And the Pharaoh, every time his heart was hardened and he would not let them go. And it wasn't until the final plague when the angel of death came to Egypt and passed over the Israelites because they had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and it killed the firstborn of all of Egypt's children. And then Pharaoh finally relented and said, go, go and worship your God. Get away from this place. And so they packed up and they left. The work of redemption began. But then the enemy pursued, white hot with anger. Doesn't that sound familiar to the Christian as we turn to Jesus, as we face Jesus, and we say, Lord, I want to follow you, Jesus said to his disciples, and then they will hate you because of my name. Because you come after me, they will come after you. Because you came to me and followed me, they will pursue you. The enemy wants nobody in the Lord's kingdom. He will pursue us. We've been seeing that all along as we've been reading the story of Revelation of the enemy in pursuit. Especially when we read the apocalyptic advent found in chapter 12. That his goal was to go and kill the baby Jesus Redeemer. But because he couldn't, he then started to pursue the church because death never overcame Jesus, but Jesus overcame death. The enemy said, then I will go after his people. But God, in his plan of redemption, also carry out, carries out his work of justice for the saints for those that have decided to follow him, he makes a way of salvation and then makes a work of justice in the world for those that do not. And so we have to see that it is a marvelous work, that God is a just God. Yes, a loving God. He has loving kindness. but he also is a God of justice. We have to carry both. We have to realize both. There's an urgency for both in the church. For us as followers to acknowledge that God loves us deeply, deeply enough to send his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. But those who do not know him are already condemned because they do not have life. In fact, as we start thinking about these seven plagues, it's really interesting to me if you look in the law given in Leviticus chapter 26, starting in verse 14, this is the punishment of disobedience, but if you do not obey me, and do not do all these commandments. If instead you reject my statutes 
And if your soul loathes my judgments, so as not to do all my commandments and to break my covenant, if then you walk, this is verse 21, jumping down, if then you walk in hostility against me or unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sins. And then there's seven bowls, seven plague judgments that are poured out in the last days. God was always willing to fulfill his promises, his covenant with his people. But the encouragement to us is found in the final verses of 26, verses 40, 42, and 45 through 46. It says this, but if you confess, confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers in, your, in their unfaithfulness, which they have committed against me, and they've also walked in his hostility against me, but then if they confess, I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. As well, I will remember the land. And I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, that redeeming work that was coupled with his justice against the Egyptians in the sight of the nations that I might be their God because I am Yahweh. These are the statutes and judgments and laws which Yahweh has given to be between himself and the sons of Israel by the hand of Moses at Mount Sinai. And so God has always been at work for the redemption of his people, for keeping covenant with his people. But for those in the world that do not desire to keep his commandments, do not desire to keep his statutes, do not desire to keep covenant with him, he will answer them with exactly what they've already asked for, for that wrath of God. Because the wrath of God for them is not satisfied in the work of Jesus. And so it must come into fruition. It must be paid in full. And so when in verse 17 of chapter 16 of Revelation when he poured out that seventh bowl and the loud voice of the sanctuary from the throne saying, it is done, the work of wrath is finished. It has all been poured out. And just like in the previous uh, judgments, in the seals and in the trumpets, we see flashes of lightning, sounds of thunder, and a great earthquake like there had never been since man had come upon the earth. So great the earthquake and it was so mighty. And the end was fulfilled. The wrath of God was fulfilled against the entire world. And God made a way for his saints to live with him, to dwell with them forever and ever. That's always been the work of redemption, right? Ever since the beginning, ever since the Garden of Eden, when man fell by eating of the fruit of the tree, which God said, do not eat from, God's work was always to bring man back to himself so that he could dwell with man again. That's always been his desire, the desire of his heart with his people, to be with them. But in order to be with them, the work of redemption had to be done and justice had to be carried out. And that's what God did. The work of redemption in Christ and the work of redemption in the last days. And so we can be encouraged that God is at work for his people. For those that believe in Jesus, we have redemption. 
and for those that do not, the work of justice is carried out on behalf of God's people. It's always been about God's people. It's not about those on whom wrath is carried out. It's about justice for those for whom wrath has always been sa- already been satisfied in Christ. Take heart, church. Your God loves you. He's chosen you for his own possession to be a kingdom of priests. And as we go out into this world, as we acknowledge what is to come, let us be faithful with the word of God to those around us, sharing with them the testimony of Christ so that they might join us in those final days in that throne room experience to sing the song of Moses, the song of redemption, and the song of justice because God carried it out on our behalf. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank, for, thank you for the marvelous work of justice that you carry out, knowing that justice and redemption are one and the same. As you redeem, you also justly work on our behalf because you are a holy God. We love you, Lord, for your loving kindness towards us. And Lord, would we be encouraged more and more to share that loving kindness with those around us that they might escape the wrath in the last days and and experience what it's like to dwell with you forever and ever. Because the wrath of God was satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen.